Hello, and welcome to FIRST Healthcare Compliance Broadcast. I am Catherine Short, Partnership Marketing Specialist. At FIRST Healthcare Compliance, we help you with a comprehensive compliance management solution tailored to your business, a hospital, hospital network, healthcare practice of any size, billing company, or skilled nursing facility. As part of our podcast series, we bring you experts from around the country to discuss relevant topics in the healthcare industry. Our topic today is healthcare quality measurement. We will discuss to what this refers, what are quality measures, how this impacts patients, and many other considerations in this realm. We have asked Reed Kaiser of Kaiser Healthcare Solutions to join us today to discuss and expand on the topics surrounding healthcare quality measurement. Kaiser Healthcare Solutions provides strategic and business operations consulting services to healthcare industry stakeholders seeking to manage and improve the quality, interoperability, and overall value of healthcare. The KAH the KHS team includes subject matter experts, technical analysts, and executive leaders that have extensive portfolios with clients ranging from healthcare industry associations and oversight groups to payers, providers, and health IT vendors. KHS works with clients to assess the latest healthcare policy and market demands, to develop the strategy and framework for program compliance and optimization, and to implement solutions that help organizations achieve their goals. Reed is the founder and chief consultant of Kaiser Healthcare Solutions, LLC. He is an innovative leader who has served in a variety of capacities with healthcare organizations addressing quality and performance measurement. His experience has involved measure development and implementation, data collection and analysis for one of the largest payers in the U.S., patient engagement and provider communications. Reed has also managed an industry-leading software and data analytics solution used by clients to meet quality measure reporting requirements for CMS, states, NCQA, OPM, and several business groups. Reed is a certified patient-centered medical home professional and also serves as a faculty member within George Washington University's Clinical Research and Leadership Develop, uh, Department. Reed received his bachelor's degree in biochemistry and biophysics from the University of Houston and a master's degree in evaluative clinical sciences from Dartmouth. So, Reed, welcome to FIRST Healthcare Compliance Podcast. Thank you, Catherine. Um, Happy to be yeah. here. Yes, thank you so much. Um, so can I ask you, um, what does it mean when we refer to healthcare quality measurement? Right. So first, um, I think it's best to, to break that down. So we know healthcare quality and measurement can, can mean a lot of different things uh, to a lot of different uh, people and stakeholders. So looking at it by what do we mean by healthcare? And if you look at most dictionaries, healthcare is typically defined as the efforts that are made to maintain or restore physical, mental, or emotional well-being. And then the procedures and methods that are used to deliver and execute upon those efforts. Um, next, quality. Um, and quality can apply to a lot of different things in a lot of different industries. Um, but let's define it by the Institute of Medicine uh, lens and how we um, look at quality in the healthcare space. And it's really 
the degree to which healthcare services for individuals and populations, uh, how that increases the likelihood of a desired health outcome. And that also, we want to make sure that what we're doing there is also consistent with concurrent professional knowledge, which is science and consistent based and defining what should be uh, the appropriate healthcare services. And then lastly, measurement, which once again can be a very, very broad term. So just going to Merriam-Webster and defining it as the act or process of measuring. Um, that's how typically measurements defined. But I like to add uh, to that, which is quantifying using established principles of analysis and standard units. So not only in the healthcare quality measurement world are we um, acting to measure, but we're also looking to quantify and do deeper analysis uh, to base things on science and, and statistics to, to drive insight and improvements in a standardized fashion. So putting that all together, we get healthcare quality measurement, um, which takes on many meanings and forms across the, the uh, ecosystem in healthcare. And really, you know, looking towards the resources out there that really define healthcare quality, I like to use the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality and looking at their definition to put those three terms together. And that definition of healthcare quality measurements, the mechanism that assigns a quantity to quality of care by comparison to a criterion. So we can add the assumption that we go beyond just quantifying quality, but to turning that action into improving the healthcare delivery outcomes and value that's used and defining that based on specifications that can be validated or performed consistently and accurate from measurement to measurement. So you want it to be repeatable and something that someone else could take that recipe and follow and, and reproduce those results so that we're having apples to apples comparisons, either within doing internal benchmarking or even to compare from one entity to another. And really the first step in, in, in healthcare quality measurement is taking that baseline measurement and benchmarking it. So if we don't know where we stand today, we don't know where we need to be tomorrow. So that's the first point in healthcare quality measurement. Okay. So um, if, so then what are those, those quality measures or those, you know, kind of apples to apples or in, and then how are they used in the healthcare industry? What are those kind of baselines that, are, that are, you're, you're looking at in the healthcare industry? Yeah, there's really three, I think, three key uh, areas to, to really look at uh, quality measures and how they're, they're used. And, and these are really the, the general three areas that, that can obviously be um, many more. And I'll, I'll add my perspective uh, there as well. But really think of the, the use of quality measures, um, you know, first and foremost, or where it's typically used is, is in driving quality improvement. Uh, the second area is to establish accountability, and I'll go into a little more detail on each of these here in a second. And then the last is 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 doing research to help drive policy. Um, I like to add to those three, um, especially as we start to see payment models shift from volume to value, uh, as well as as we see the different quality measures proliferate within and across the ecosystem. Um, we begin to, to tie in some of those administrative transactions like claims and, and uh, clinical data that really is going to tie uh, outcomes back to process measures and looking at uh, what providers are, and payers are doing to help with patient adherence outcomes and even uh, through the evolution of 
patient reporting functional status measures and well-being, where this is really starting to tie back into um, business metrics and key performance indicators to tie uh, quality, uh, value, and cost all together. So the lines are somewhat blurring, but for the most part, you know, think about the use of these measures for quality improvement, accountability, and research. And just to define each of those a little bit further, um, quality improvement. So think about if you're familiar with the Plan Do Check Act, or um, sometimes known as the Shoehart cycle. Uh, it could also be you could replace check with study, but it's really that iterative cycle of quality improvement. Um, for some that may come from the Six Sigma world, there's DMAIC, where you define, measure, analyze, improve, and control uh, through that process of quality improvement. But regardless of the approach that um, one takes, there's really the three basic steps, and those are, one, identify your opportunity for quality improvement, and then determine and define uh, the measurement, and then obviously assess that those current results, as we talked about earlier, or what your current state is, and then analyze and implement the improvement activity. And this is really the, the primary form or primary focus of, of healthcare quality measurement is to do quality uh, improvement. And through that, it would be to repeat that measurement, implement your improvement activity, and then repeat that cycle to go through and continue to improve your effectiveness, your efficiency, and the outcomes that, that are delivered. And quality measures, um, they can take on many forms. So you could either grow those in home or create those inside your own organization. Um, but there's a wealth of industry or consensus-based standardized measures that are out there. Um, so it really depends on how one is using it for doing quality improvement. So the basics of quality improvement can be very custom and very specific. Um, but when you look at some of the regulatory or other mandated requirements or compliance activities, um, most likely you'd be following a industry-established standardized measure. And that's where it starts to shift into the use for accountability is where there's the different regulatory requirements, whether it's coming from CMS or an accreditor like NCQA or the Joint Commission, or even um, one of the more recent hotter topics is around MACRA and MIPS there as well, and that is to drive that accountability. So this is where, um, you know, through the different regulatory or certification or accreditation requirements, the healthcare system or stakeholders are essentially requiring a, either an annual assessment for the most part and benchmarking those results and then in some cases having requirements to do quality improvement activities. And through accountability, it can either be done um, privately between the um, reporting entity and the, the um, accreditor or the regulatory body that's doing that. Um, but most commonly over time, we see those quality measures um, and those results begin to be publicly reported to you know, further drive accountability uh, through transparency and even um, some forms of consumerism that goes there as well. And in the accountability mod model of quality measurement, this is where those measures do require more rigor and stricter requirements on those measures. And that's really for the obvious reasons, especially when you tie financial rewards or penalties or pay for quality uh, to that or even competitive selection uh, contracting that, that may go into it. And once again, you want to make sure um, that that's going to be allow for apples to apples comparison for those who are being held accountable for for those requirements. 
Um, as far as examples on accountability, which I think probably most people are pretty familiar uh, with what may apply in, in their um, space within the ecosystem, but obviously CMS or the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services has a wealth of information that's out there, obviously through their programs. Medicare.gov is a, is a, a great resource to, to look at all the different programs for the Medicare population, and that literally does range from um, measuring, evaluating physicians, nursing homes, hospitals, drug plans, health plans, you name it. Um, if Medicare or CMS is um, paying for healthcare in those spaces, there most likely is a program that is measuring healthcare quality there as well. And then on the other side, on the private side, you have accreditation as, as well as watchdog organizations that um, also are doing similar type activities and CMS in some cases may be using those accreditation uh, standards or organizations to uh, support their uh, accountability programs within uh, CMS. So there's really no shortage um, today out there on finding those opportunities or even understanding what you need, may need to do from a compliance perspective. And then lastly, but not least, is, is research. And obviously, there's a wealth of data or information that is being collected that's out there that's being studied. And this is really where the use of it comes in to produce either new knowledge or gain further scientific insights or develop hypotheses to ultimately uh, inform decisions and identify changes that drive policy and the guidelines um, to driving appropriate, efficient, effective, and value-based healthcare. Okay, um, great. Um, and how do those um, quality measures, how do they impact the patient care over time yes. um, on that side? Yeah, so um, let's use really an example here. Um, I mean, in most cases, what you measure um, will get improved, and obviously the, the tenets behind doing quality measurement or quality improvement is to obviously um, impact the, the, the care that's delivered to patients and, and even outcomes. I like to use the, the, the tried-and-true example of um, readmissions and, and reducing post-hospital discharge for acute uh, MI. Um, here, dating back to the 1990s and NCQA, we started off with a, um, a, a uh, beta blocker after discharge measure that initially looked at once someone was discharged from the hospital um, for AMI, were they um, given a seven-day supply of, of beta, beta blockers? And that's really a process measure that looked to see that they were given the appropriate care or therapy upon discharge to um, reduce or mitigate, mitigate another, you know, heart attack post-discharge. Um, so by the early night or 2000s, um, after, you know, 10 or 15 years of this measure being the standard, the, the results were reaching up into the 90% compliance, compliance rates, um, in that, uh, patients were receiving those, uh, seven day supplies upon, uh, discharge. There was the um, move to making it a more rigorous uh, measure with uh, a longer period and looking at a 180-day supply prescription post-discharge. So not only was it to um, help mitigate those immediate readmissions um, for the patients and, and, and keeping them healthy and out of the hospital, but now to make sure that they were getting a six-month supply uh, delivered there as well. Now, keep in mind, that's a process measure that's really looking at was the, the patient 
prescribed or were they given the medication? Um, it doesn't really give you the insight on the outcomes, but we know that, uh, you know, based on the science and the guidelines, these are, um, should be the things that are driving, um, you know, better outcomes and well-being for, for those patients. Um, but that's where some of the shift begins to start moving into having direct outcome measures that uh, really do evaluate how the patient uh, is doing um, physically, uh, mentally, emotionally, uh, et cetera, um, as they deal with their different uh, conditions or uh, diseases that they may have. Um, and just looking at the the, the different uh, studies or resources that are out there, whether you're looking at the NCQA State of Healthcare report or the other um, public health data that's out there, there has been you know positive trends in, in reducing um, in reducing the recurrence of AMI uh, post discharge that's there. There's obviously a lot of new activity that's really looking at readmission rates there as well, so that continues to to evolve. Um, but really, if you take it from looking back to the beginnings of when it was measured, there was only um, about a 65% compliance rate in giving out these medications to uh, now we're looking at um, roughly 90%, and that's across commercial populations, Medicare and Medicaid as well, that are getting those 180 days supplies um, included. And Additionally, um, new measures are coming forward that really start looking at the proportion of days covered. So the measurement continues to evolve in really looking at things and ultimately the end state or the ideal state, like I stated, would be to directly measure those patient outcomes to make sure that they're functional, happy and healthy uh, in their environments and not, um, you know, returning to the hospital or, or even um, dying from um, from a heart attack or from their um, chronic diseases. Good. So, um, if you're a if you're a um, provider or a stakeholder, what is um, what are the best or specific resources for finding the best um, quality measures or um, um, resources for finding the information like this? Yeah, I mentioned AHRQ uh, initially, and um, that really, if you're starting from the beginning or coming new to it, and we actually uh, do use this in the, the courses that, that, that I teach, um, it really is a great um, information resource that's out there. They have what's called their National Quality Measures Clearinghouse, and this is really a, a great place to start to see uh, the different measures that are out there, and, and there's obviously literally I don't want to say thousands on this website, but there are thousands of quality measures when you look across the, the different resources. So there's there's no shortage of finding ideas or even standardized accepted measures that are out there. Um, and that's probably part of the other challenge, too, is that there's so many that some organizations, you know, may be helpful, depending on what you're trying to achieve, to bring an outside expert or to really look at dedicating an internal resource to to navigate the landscape and identify uh, what's best for your organization. Um, the other thing, thinking about, um, you know, from the provider side, uh, obviously there's the Institute for Healthcare Improvement or IHI. Um, that's really a, a, another uh, great resource or great organization that's out there. So you can find a wealth of information on their website. They also have a lot of uh, education programs that are specifically tailored. Um, to different um, areas within the, the, the provider ecosystem, as well as uh, going to their conferences and interacting with other uh, healthcare quality professionals there as well. 
Um, also, another great resource, and you know, if you're thinking about it from a very specialized area, is most um, or a lot of the professional societies out there uh, do have resources in their own developed quality measures. They also may be a part of helping to develop those measures um, with CMS or with NCQA or with the Pharmacy Quality Alliance or others. So think about any of those American College of, you fill in the name, um, they most likely will have um, some resources that, that are out there. So compared to where we were 20 years ago, there's really a lot of information uh, that's out there. And one of the one of the pieces I like to share and the, the work that we've been doing is this has really been interesting um, is that if you look at the emergency medical services space, whereas, you know, three years ago, I wouldn't have even um, thought of, of quality measurement being something that was of interest. But actually, a couple of years back, the National Highway Transportation and Safety Administration, along with the National Association of State EMS officials, created a set of performance quality measures um, that were specifically there to address um the current and potential needs for emergency medicine or EMS services called the EMS Compass. And it was really interesting to see how they were um, looking to be in front of it versus having someone else come along and, and dictate that, whether that would be, you know, payers or, or CMS or others and really proactively coming up with their set of measures that applied to, to their area of the ecosystem. And then lastly, uh, just to mention this is the, the National Quality Forum or NQF. Uh, this is another entity and, and their mission is to lead the national collaboration to improve healthcare or health and healthcare quality measurement. So they are an organization that typically most of these measure developments developers will go through to seek endorsement um, to get that stamp of approval that the measure has met all of the, the rigors for being a, a, a acceptable uh, consensus-based um, repeatable measure. And so that's really the NQF endorsement has become that high bar for quality measure rigor and industry acceptance. So those are um, what I see as kind of the key resources, but you pretty much go out and do an internet search and, and with your keywords and, and you should be able to find um, something that uh, may fit to your, your area of interest. Okay, so um, gosh, it sounds like there's a lot of information. So, um, so I guess you'd start with an internet search. But how does one, if one really wanted to get started with also with quality measurement, um, whether it's for the sake of a hospital or a provider complying with state regulations, or whether it's solely for improving um, patient care or health in, um, outcomes, um, how do you, how do you get started? So you, you hit on a key point there. So the, where you want to start is obviously understanding um, any of the regulations that are being mandated or required for your organization. So that would be the, the first start. So um, if it's coming from, you know, CMS or if it's coming from uh, NCQA, if it's come from the Joint Commission or whoever, you'd obviously want to understand um, what it is they're requiring. They most likely will have some resources. They'll have the measures specified in the way that they uh, want those uh, collected and even the, the tools that go along with it. Um, but if you're starting really from from scratch and, and, and even if you're coming into it for the first time and having to do it for those regulatory requirements, um, these are these are really the, the key things that I would 
um, recommend for getting started. And, and really, it does start with um, leadership and, and the culture of your organization. Um, in order for it to be successful or to uh, improve, you really have to have um, that buy-in um, within your organization. And, and anytime you run into the sticking points, it, it is going to require, you know, a a very good leader to help get through those those different uh, challenges or, or barriers or even resource needs in making the, the investment to it. So um, if there's not alignment and support behind that in doing this, um, it's going to be difficult to, to succeed or or to change and to, to be successful with quality measure measurement and reporting that's there. So really the first step is um, defining what that area of improvement or interest is and developing your baseline with it. Um, you want to make sure that for the obvious reasons, you have clear definitions of what it is that you're measuring and why, what are your objectives and what are your expectations or even initial goals of that. And then through that process, you, you do want to work through bringing all of your internal stakeholders or what I say, take a cross-functional team approach to this and identify and develop that program. Um, if you don't have everyone at the table providing their uh, perspectives, concerns, it's going to be very difficult to, to get very far. And the other thing, too, is to keep in mind that there's no person um, or staff resource that's too big or too small um, that should or should should not should be should not be a part of this. Um, and keeping in mind their perspectives and firsthand knowledge, whether at the top of the organization or at the front line, all plays a pivotal role in defining um, in determining what it is that the focus would be for your improvement and, and being successful at doing quality measurement and quality improvement. So once you've gotten past that step, it's really to um, identify, are there any existing measures that can be applied? As I stated, there's obviously lots of resources. And if you're going through something that is a uh, requirement, uh, more likely, more than likely you'll have those, um, those measures there available or some guidance in, um, what measures you could use or really the concept that you should be using. So there's really not a shortage of supply, but you'll want to just identify what is most applicable to you and um, required for any any compliance type of mandates that are there. Once you've done that, you have the clear definitions, you know your object objectives, and you have all of that established in, in your time frame for when you'll do measurement. Um, you'll then apply those measures. So one, um, that can mean a lot of things. You can either do that manually through looking through uh, the medical records or EHRs, identifying who those patients are, what the service that you're wanting to deliver is, and then document those results and collect those and aggregate those to come up with your overall performance rate uh, to benchmark it. And then from that, you would then analyze um, anything through root cause analysis uh, or if there's any other improvement opportunities that may be identified. Obviously, when you start looking at things, you'll start thinking of other other um, opportunities or other factors that you may not have thought of at the beginning. And it's really a matter of making note of that and doing that debrief or postmortem on that reporting process to identify what it is you want to do next. And that would be the the final step in the cycle. And that's, you know, following that PDCA or the make cycle and looking at where you can improve. And, and I always recommend that, you know, always celebrate the successes um, through that process and what you learn, even if you 
don't achieve those those initial goals and what the the number of result produces. And, and keep that in mind, no matter how big or how small that is. And any failures um, that you come across really recognize those as opportunities to learn. That's what quality improvement is, is nothing is perfect and it takes several iterations to refine things and to get things um, to that better state and, and ultimately the best state. Um, and really, you know, keep um, with the the assumption that the organization, the teams that are part of this and the people that are part of the process, they really should be wanting to do their best. And if, if not, then either it may not be the right organization for, for you to work if you really are um, passionate and focused on, on quality improvement or that those people, some of those people, if they're not uh, coming on board in their laggards, they may need to, to go and they may actually be some of your barriers to improving the, the performance of your organization and ultimately the, the outcomes and experience of, of your patients. So um, I like to use the, the, the quote that we'll hear frequently is, um, you don't know any, I don't know anyone who wants to suck at their job or give bad care or be on a losing team. So I think most people are buying it, should be buying into that. And if there's not, they, there's other things that they need to move on and do do something else. True, 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 true. Um, and so once they start to implement those things, what um, uh, what should they expect to see um, once they implement these quality measures? And how soon um, can they determine whether patient care is improving? Right. Um, so I'll, I'll say from, from my experience um, that, that, that was heavily involved in the health plan world, it literally does take a long period of time. So that can be, um, you know, depending on what you're looking at and what data you have available, um, that can take, um, you know, one to three years. So I'll say don't expect to see overnight miracles and perfect performance, obviously, right out of the, right, right out of the gates. Um, but at the same time, too, I don't want to disheartened or, or make it sound like there's a huge um, hill to climb using the, the large payer um, perspective where you're, you know, you are moving the, the super tanker. So think of it as something um, that's not um, immediate, but then can take several times, several, several years or, or, you know, long periods of time to get there and doing it. So it does take that commitment, um, persistence to, to driving through and, and thinking about it back to the the PDCA cycles, it really is an iterative process and it's going to depend on the ability to, you know, how, how many, um, patients or opportunities that you're having coming through within a time period and how often you'll have the, the numbers to analyze that and to benchmark and then implement the, the QIA activities to continue to, to improve upon, um, your performance or, or your results that are there. Um, and like I said, you know, really one of the largest challenges coming down to that, um, the timeline and really what to expect is I think you, you do really have to expect to make a commitment to stay the course over time. So it's not, um, something that you try for, you may try for three months and give up. You really have to stick to it and to, and to continue with it. Um, and if it's compliance reporting that you're having to do, that's, um, obviously something you'll have to do. And typically, just to give you some insight there in the time frame and when you should start seeing results, it's typically going to be an annual um, reporting process that's looking back in the rearview mirror at the past calendar of the year there. So if you think about it, you may be looking at um, what happened 
last year. And by the time you've identified where you're at, um, you're already partially into the current year. And it may not be until the following year that you're truly seeing the impact of, of the quality of care delivered. And that's where I use that one to three year time period to, to do that. So, you know, really I want to manage expectations on it can be a, a long road to get there. Um, but you probably will see immediate results just even with internally and people that are getting behind this and, you know, not to make it a competition per se, but going back to the point that people want to do their best. Mm-hmm. Initially, you're going to start seeing um, that that impact that's happening within your teams and with your your culture that's that's happening there, there as well. So that's really um, you should expect um, to see. Um, those mindsets or those attitudes, I think, change, you know, pretty, pretty rapidly and pretty quickly. And, and, um, really it's, it's going to be a matter of seeing those successes and maintaining that, that energy and morale behind that that's going to determine the sustainability and success of the, the program. So the main point on expectation is don't let perfection be the enemy of progress is, is, as the cliche goes. Um, stay committed to why you're doing this and why quality matters and what is it that's being measured and, and truly just be open and transparent internally and even externally uh, with those results. And that's that's what I would say are the, the key expectations. And keep in mind that you can't improve what you don't don't measure. So are there are there other considerations that that a provider or, or stakeholder should account for when it comes to to quality measurement, other things, other considerations also? Yeah, I think I mean, for better or worse, um, you know, most of today's starting points are of consideration, and we touched on this, is to really know and understand what the mandated requirements are, and, and that either comes through contracting or through the compliance certification or accreditation um, roles or even what purchasers may mandate. And state or federal uh, reporting requirements. Obviously, macro is is, is the big topic uh, these days for the provider side. Um, so those are really you know the key considerations to think about. But you know for other things um, or for other considerations, uh, you know you most likely you're not going to need to reinvent the wheel. There's plenty of measures that are that are out there. You could even if you're doing it for your own internal purposes. Um, you know, change those to, to what may fit or even develop your own in-house. Um, and really the, once again, the, the key consideration there is, is what is it that makes the most sense to, um, to your organization and to your patients, uh, first and foremost? Um, but then recognizing that, yes, there may be these other, um, outside of your control requirements that you need to, to blend that into. So really, um, I'd say, you know, the key considerations, if there is that choice, is to start simple, build that consensus within your team, uh, with your leaders. And I would say even with your patients, I think your patients will be excited to know that you value um, the quality of care that you're delivering and you're transparent and open about it and doing everything you can to improve it. So that's where you will want to make it visible, uh, transparent and non-punitive. Um, that's the other thing, too, is is. You know, every system is designed to get the results it gets, um, as Deming likes to say. So if it's a poorly designed system, you're going to get poorly, um, poor results. Um, but keep in mind that the, the people are, you know, part of that, that, um, process, but people do, um, want to get better with practice and coaching. So that's really the, the key consideration is thinking about it. One is how you improve the process 
um, but then also to help your folks that are really having that direct impact on things become engaged and helping them non-punitively get get better and hopefully eventually um, improving the process and, and the outcomes that are uh, that are delivered. So make sure that you know it does take an investment of time, resources, and money. So you'll want to consider the the people, the resources, and the tools that are going to be needed to support uh, quality quality measurement or healthcare quality measurement, and to create that environment where you get all stakeholders to engage. And and from that, if you have a quality organization, or we've seen this, is that patients will follow your lead when you demonstrate quality and that you are truly taking a vested interest in the care that you're delivering in, in moving to, to value uh, away from a volume-based um, system of, of care delivery. Good, good. That's that's wonderful. Um, well, I have a question. Um, switching gears a little bit, um, how do you see quality measurement evolving in healthcare uh, industry over the next two to three years? What What direction do you think we're going? Yeah, so looking into the crystal ball, and, and I'll speak, um, I guess, from my opinion, and, and, and others may support this. Um, and, you know, really, it's to keep in mind, I've I hit on this point a lot through throughout, is that we are reaching a point, I think, of measure saturation and overload. So there's, there's really no shortage of measures that are out there. Um, there's also continues to be plenty of funding opportunities to create new measures. Um, for a particular area of, of interest. Um, but I think what we need to do is, is really return to the basics of improving the doctor and patient relationship and looking at what can be done to reduce the burden and cost of quality measurement. Um, it does take, as I alluded to, a lot of resources to, to do it successfully. Um, and you can think about, you know, if you're a small practice or a large payer, that can obviously vary, but it's going to be significant either from a proportional size side on the small small entity um, or on a large entity, the, the, the amount of resources it takes to do it across a large enterprise. So quality measurement, you know, it has somewhat become a, a cottage industry. And, um, and if you look at it from the payer perspective, it really is operating on an industrial scale at this point. Um, but currently and for the near future, um, it does continue to rely heavily on what I'll call manual data collection, uh, thinking of extraction from medical records or, or EHRs or even maintaining databases. Um, and it really is challenging to diff- and difficult to, to motivate providers and patients in the right way, um, as it can be somewhat depersonalized. So I think that there does need to be some of the shift um, to to really look back at, at what we've accomplished to this point and where we need to go. And I know this is high on CMS's um, list of areas or topics. And so we are starting to see the efforts to, quote, remeasure and evaluate what we're doing in healthcare quality measurement. Um, so this is, you know, if you go out and look at, at CMS and their meaningful measures, um, um, activities that are going on, I would continue to, to pay attention to that. And it's really should be focusing on looking at, you know, where we are today and where we need to go and, and rec- recognize that there is a lot of measure saturation and cost and burden that goes into it. So this is where I would say things need to shift. Um, and, it, you know, we should expect we are starting to see more patient-centered, uh, patient-involved and patient outcomes measurements are really thinking about it. At the end of the day, 
Is it the patient getting better? Um, do they have an improved well-being? And how are they responding to that that experience? Um, you know, it's time to really move beyond what 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 we call the Hawthorne effect, or if you look at something that's going to automatically improve and looking through process measures using the, the beta blocker measure as example, but really look at it. Um, are people staying out of the hospital? Um, are they functional? Are they happy? And all those other things to really look at it from a true value outcomes approach. And that's where you do start to see the, 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 the value based approach that's coming in and looking at quality plus the car cost of the care that's delivered. And is it really appropriate use of treatment that's there? Um, and from that burden perspective and where we really need to and we are starting to shift in the measures, I still think that there's quite a long ways to go is really to tie clinical data from those electronic sources uh, to electronic administrative transactions and practice management systems or EHRs and have that interoperability and clinical data exchange and take out a lot of the um, manual activities or homegrown databases that are collecting information one by one versus having it flow in quotes seamlessly um, from the provider to the um, entity that's, that's rolling um, those data points up to, to calculate the measures so that you're not having to have uh, nurse reviewers or staff come in and pull charts and understand the measure logic and, and identified if a patient qualified for the measure, if they had the, the services or outcomes that they needed for that. So we really should start seeing the shift to um, what we're calling electronic clinical quality measures that are driven off of the EHR, uh, but then also looking at other other ways of um, processing that information more through systems versus through through people. Good. Well, um, do you have any final thoughts or tips on quality measurement for our podcast listening audience here? Yeah. So hopefully most of this information was 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 helpful in, in giving folks an idea um, of what it takes and some of the little nuggets or tips within it. Um, I'd say in most cases, uh, you know, when we have a spotlight on something or going back to the Hawthorne effect, it's going to get attention. So the immediate results or the immediate expectations are really, you know, you're going to see see the improvement in engagement just from looking at something um, and focusing on it and behaviors will change. So we know that that um, will happen. And that's one of the initial benefits that we get out of when we're watching something um, and have the goal to improve. It's going to move forward. But in closing, we ultimately do need to ask ourselves, have we delivered the appropriate care that is in line with the goals of improving that patient's um, most achievable level of well-being and function? So that's really, you know, the tips that, that I think that we should be focusing on as we move forward. And just to reiterate some of those other key points and theme, you know, in short, clearly, you know, you want to have defined goals with your measurement and what you're doing to improve patient care and apply that measured data collection process in a um, standardized, repeatable way and share those results and be accountable and transparent so that you are continuing to be accountable and improve those. And, you know, that really that key to success is there does need to be that team consensus and buy-in um, and leadership support that comes from it. It does take true leadership from the top as well as engagement from the front lines on up to drive success. Um, it really is a 
it is for those that are coming into this new. It is really change management and shifting culture and how we operate within our organizations. And, you know, it may not be successful at first, um, but over time through quality improvement cycles, it does get better. It should get better. And it does become part of the normal process or workflow of things. It just becomes second nature. So really, you know, make it fun, supportive, and I'll loosely say competitive just to continue to push and um, push the bar or raise the bar through each iteration. Um, but definitely avoid being punitive or, or making it um, come across as an individual success or an individual's failure with it. Like I said, it's really about the process and communication. Um, and where those fail is really where the process or the outcomes or the results would fail within your um, within your organizations. So just in closing, I'd say, you know, we can deliver top shelf services all day in our organizations. And obviously we accomplish many extraordinary technical feats in our healthcare system. But at the end of the day, it really does come down to and thinking about it from our own individual perspectives as a patient. I want to feel my best physically, emotionally, spiritually, and even financially in thinking of the, the, the cost of healthcare. Um, we all end up being that patient one day and we should approach our work and what we do is if we would want it that way for us is if we are the consumer of care, because we all know um, one way or the other, we eventually do become a statistic. And my, my saying is make sure you make it a good one if you're going to be part of those statistics. That's so true. Yes, that is true. We all are a patient at one point or another, right? Um, and making a good experience for ourselves and for our own families, too. Um, so if we would like to learn more about um, Kaiser Healthcare Solutions, how do we find you? What's the best way, best way for us to um, get a hold of you? Yes. So I may be reached directly uh, through my office phone number, which is area code 703 four three five nine eight nine zero. Um, we're based outside of Washington DC. Um, I also can be reached via email at R R Kaiser, and that's K-I-S-E-R, all one word at Kaiser Solutions, all one word dot com. Um, you may also visit our website just to give a general overview of the, the different things that we do, though it's not an exhaustive list of services or capabilities, but that's ww kaisersolutions.com and I look forward to to folks reaching out on any questions you may have on today's information or any other just insights on in healthcare and healthcare quality. Great, great. Um, and our listeners, you can also um, find information. It'll be printed um, on where you find our podcasts on our website, which is on uh, firsthcc.com. Um, that's where you can um, subscribe to our podcasts. Um, you can also sub- subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes at um, First Healthcare Compliance um, and also on firsthcc.com. Uh, that's where you can find, as I said, our podcasts. Um, you can also find um, also webinars. Um, you can request a demo of our compliance solution um, and uh, visit all kinds of uh, educational information there as well. Um, You can also call us at 888-543-4778. And um, I wanted to thank Reed uh, Kaiser so much. Thank you so much for um, joining us here on the um, podcast that we have here on our series. 
and um, we look forward to um, to um, having uh, you with us again at another time. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, and, thank yeah. you, Catherine, and thank you, listeners. Yes, thank you, and uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. <laughs>